Good morning, friends and family, my brothers and sisters, and welcome back finally to the Word for Life podcast. Man, uh, it's been quite a ride. It's been a minute. It has been some time, but yet here we are diving back into the world of podcasts. Uh, I want to ask you really at the onset of our podcast today, which I'll ask you again at the end. If you could please be so kind to subscribe to our channel and to share the channel out so that it can be discovered in the massive database that is podcasts. We are on several different platforms and so whatever platform is your preference, if you could share it out, subscribe, like it there, it would do us a great deal of growing again in the massive uh, and ever-expanding um, arena of podcasts. Anyway, I am grateful and glad to be able to have this opportunity again to share with you uh, in this manner. And initially, when we started the Word for Life podcast, I thought that I would just post my sermons on here. But then it dawned on me that there are several different avenues for sermons, and it dawned on me something I've said for years that the world in my opinion, does not need another sermon, but the world needs more solutions. And so I opted out of sharing my sermons, which I may do from here uh, here and there, but I think by and large, it's more beneficial, impactful, and effective if I slow down what we might talk about during the sermons in a much more casual way so that we can come to grips with this thing called life. Because let's just be honest, my friends, sometimes life is kicking our butts. <laughs> and sometimes it's, some, it, it's difficult to come out of the rut when life is kicking your butt because you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so here we are today to kind of dialogue again and talk. I really want to kind of put together a concrete a, a, a concrete um, pattern or standard by which we'll put out on the Word for Life podcast. Um, so I'll need your help there. If you guys could let me know, that'll be great. If you think we should do it once weekly, if you think we should try to shoot for twice weekly, three times weekly, once a month, I really just want to know how often you need the encouragement and the um, the conversation <clears throat> that we have here in the Word for Life podcast. Nevertheless, yesterday I was blessed and fortunate enough to preach a message entitled, Wait For It. Wait For It. In, in, in my opinion, it was one of the most impactful sermons that I had ever preached because we live in a day and age where all of us are waiting on something. All of us are waiting on something. I've see, I seen a statistic um couple of months ago uh, in regards to how much an individual waits. And I seen something along the lines of in this study in the magazine said that by and large individuals that live to be at least 70 years old spend at least a year, 365 days waiting on something, waiting in the waiting room, waiting for surgery to take place, waiting to get uh, something in the mail that you've been waiting on, waiting for a delivery to come, 
waiting to find love, waiting to find substance and increase. So we spend a lot of our time waiting and the trouble and the issue that we have with waiting for those of us that are believers of God is that waiting can be very frustrating because to know that God can do but won't do can be frustrating. The fact that God can do it right now but chooses to delay can be sometimes frustrating. But I said yesterday in my sermon that really the maturity of individuals, the maturity of adults ought hinge on the fact that even when God delayed me, I did not deny him. I'll say that again so that you can get that, that even when God delayed me, I did not deny him. It's similar to the this get back philosophy that many people have in relationships that if you do something to me I am required to get you back because at the end of the day we need to be even so if I hurt you then you have to hurt me all while realizing that it's a never-ending circle that we'll never reach the end of because we will always be getting each other back because you just got me back and so it becomes a very asinine conversation as to how do we get out of this rut or how do I not deny God even though he's delaying me. And sometimes we'll look at God as if he's not faithful while everybody else is shouting about him being faithful. I don't really see it the same way because it appears that everything I've asked him to do, he's not done any of it. But again, your spiritual maturity is wrapped up in the fact that if God does not do what you desire for him to do, it does not change the fact that I still love and serve him. So the question that you have to ask yourself is, how mature am I? Am I, a am I, am I mature enough to handle God's weight? Because understand that God's not yet is not a no. But there are many times, and I expressed yesterday during my sermon, that many times God has us in what airports and traffic controllers call a holding pattern. A holding pattern is a, uh, it is a stall tactic. It is a measure of saving time for the benefit of the pilot and the passengers who are on a plane. It is because there is a man in the control tower or a woman in the control tower and they see something where you are trying to go that can be hazardous to you if you land too quickly. So then the prayer that we ought pray to ourselves is, Lord, help me to be okay with your timing. I've said it before and I'll say it again that the race that we are in in this thing called life, the race is not about if God is going to do it or not. The race is about time. We only have an issue with the timing of God. We forthrightly and assuredly believe that God can, even that he will most times. But the problem that we the problem that we have is the timing of God. So because I know that he can, he will, he shall, he must, he promised, I do not understand why I have to wrestle with time. So the question that you have to ask yourself or where you have to grow to in your life is, Lord, please, whatever you do, help me to be okay with your timing. 
I mentioned three aspects yesterday during our sermon that I want to share with you. And because I preached it then, I won't preach it again today, but I have three more things that I want to share with you. Um, I talked about yesterday in terms of waiting, the importance of uh, waiting in that waiting really is, or uh, I preach from Psalms 40, and in Psalms 40, David is really in a pit. He he is not he is not uh, in his place of abundance yet, but he has found himself stuck in a pit. And unfortunately, through the biblical written history, we don't know why he's in this pit. We don't know where he's at in this pit. We don't know who put him in the pit. We don't know how he got in there. But most importantly, I wanted to share with you that we don't know why he is there. But I will say this, that what is important for us to know while we wait is that we must have the proper behavior of waiting, the proper behavior of waiting. And again, I won't rehash all of this, uh, but instead I'll redirect you to our Facebook page at Word of Life Church or our uh, YouTube page at Word of Life Kojic, and there you can view the entire sermon. But the behavior of waiting is very important because I believe that while we're waiting, God is forthrightly watching how we wait. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today in our little discussion. But number two, I talked about the breakthrough of waiting. I talked about the breakthrough of waiting in that God, the Bible says in Psalms 40, verse number two, he inclined his ear to David that he might hear him. And it's important for us to note that God is a spirit and he does not have physical attributes. But sometimes you are in a pit that is so low and dark that you have to give God an attribute to help you feel better about where you are. Uh, because all of us need comfort when you're in the middle of a pit. And so however you have to make God look to feel closest to him, then you need to do that uh, so that you can have the breakthrough of waiting. I also mentioned yesterday, and I just want to give you this because it was so good and it made me so happy. I said that the worst place to be in is the worst place. I'm I'm sorry. Let me let me let me correct that. The worst place to be in is the best place to pray in. Again, the worst place to be in is the best place to pray in. Then point number three was the benefits of waiting. The benefits of waiting. And I want to press that envelope a little bit more today as we kind of uh, as we go back to this little dialogue today. And uh, I want to continue to go forward and add three more um, to this uh, whole idea of waiting. Because, Anthony, what should I do while I wait? I'm going to give you three more. And I, and I hope you log these in your notes. But I think that we must learn how to work while we wait. Work while we wait. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Now, understand that that works is not us doing God's job for him. It is not our responsibility to do God's job for him. It is only our responsible our responsibility to be busy working while he is performing, while he is preparing. It is your job to work while God makes the way clear and plain. 
I believe that what God is doing oftentimes in our life is trying to, like I spoke about that holding pattern, he is trying to make your landing smooth into your place of promise. And the problem with many of us is that we're trying to force our landing, which really leads us to having a premature landing. And while God is trying to get us to a place that when he lands us, we never make our way back to the pit. But many times we become so antsy by our uh, infatuation with landing in our destination that we will literally settle for less than God has for us. God, in fact, has so much more for you, but we become so irritated with the process of waiting because we feel like uh, us waiting is all in vain because God can, will, shall, and must do it for me. But remember that God has to prepare the way for you. And if he does not prepare the way for you, then literally you are settling for only a fraction of faith. And, and, and we ought not be satisfied with living as a fraction. God did not call you to be divided, but rather he called you to multiply and to duplicate not only uh, yourself, but those that are around you. Think of it this way. That God, that you must become comfortable in the waiting process because that is where God is perfecting you. Understand that God does not perfect you on the top of the mountain. He perfects you in the valley. And there are many people that have this misnomer that God will perfect me when I make it to the mountaintop. But the mountaintop is not for perfecting. It is only for the perfected. You, we, we become, we get perfected while we are in the valley. The valley is the place where God can bring us through, out, up, and over. And so it is not the mountaintop. When we get to the mountaintop, that's the end of the goal. That is not the place of work. That is the place of harvest. And I need you to hear me right here, my beloved brothers and sisters. Most of us, by and large, are not in seasons of harvest, but rather we are in seasons of sowing. So you must become comfortable with your season of sowing. That's what you do while you wait. You work, you sow, you give, you plan, and plan effectively while you plan. Understand that working is uh, the very is the most vital part in waiting because consider this. And and, and I'm gonna bring Paul and Silas into, into the room, but consider this. If you ask God to do something for you and you're waiting on him to perform it, why would he bring it to pass if you've not done anything? while you're asking him to do everything <laughs> that you've asked him to do. In other words, if you ask God to, to, to help you become an entrepreneur, and you say, God, I want to have my own business, and I want it flourishing and functioning by December 2023. Okay, today is July 3rd. And from today until December of this year, you do nothing but believe God. I want to break your heart in a very real way. God is not going to make you an entrepreneur by December in that scenario. You know why? Because you have not created a plan. 
You have not written a business statement. You have not garnered any support. You have not spoken to any prior business owners. You've not researched anything. You've not put any proposals together. You have no plan. My grandpa said it like this. He says, if you fail to plan, and come on, your grandpa said it too. You plan to fail. I want you to understand that God is not an osmosis God. He does not do what you ask him to do just out of osmosis because you asked him. You have an obligation to work. My, 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 one of my pastors used to say this. He said, the sovereignty of God, get this, the sovereignty of God is no excuse for human responsibility. I'll say it again for you. The sovereignty of God is no excuse for human responsibility. In other words, just because God can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, does not negate the reality that we as humans have a part to play. Oh, it's just as good, it's just as good in 06, it's just as good in 23 as it was in 2006. The sovereignty of God is no excuse for human responsibility. You have a responsibility to meet the sovereignty of God. And that is to work while you wait. So you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you you are pre-diabetic. And if you don't get this under control, Mr. Scott, we might have to start injecting you. We might have to one day amputate your foot. You might be at risk for high blood pressure. You might be at risk for stroke and heart attack and hypertension. So I need you to get in control of your health. Now, if I leave out of that meeting and I continue to drink the same juices and sodas that I've been drinking, eating the same fatty foods that I've been eating, when I go back to the doctor and she tells me, Mr. Scott, you are no longer pre-diabetic. You are now diabetic. It is asinine for me to run to the altar and pray for God to deliver me from diabetes. Where is your human responsibility? We have a human responsibility and you must meet the mandate of that human responsibility while you wait for God to perform his miracle. If, 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 you, if you pay attention, if you pay attention to the biblical writ many times, as Jesus was traveling throughout the Decapolis, many times when Jesus healed someone, it was with some kind of action from that human being. Oh man, this is getting good. Yes, he, 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 he performed a miracle, but there was also some sort of action. All right, here we go. So let's take it. Oh God, I forgot to bring Paul and Silas into the room, didn't I? Hold on, let me bring Paul and Silas into the room for my point on working. Um, Paul and Silas at midnight, the Bible says, are, uh, are, are in jail and they are surrounded by jailers. They started praising and giving God praise. The Bible says this, and prayer was being made for them by the church and they are in jail. Prayer, prayer is being made for them by the church. They're waiting on Paul and Silas to be released from jail. And while they're waiting they're working, i.e. praying. Not only are they working, but Paul and Silas are also praying. They said, even though you got me locked up, I won't be silent. Even though I'm in jail physically, 
I'm free in my mind. You know that they're free in their mind because it takes a lot to be surrounded by jailers and locked behind prison walls, locked in chains, and yet your mind still can praise God. That is a sign that my body is bound, but my mind is free. Oh my God. I wish I could get into that. I'll say that for the next one. But the Bible says that as they were praying, there was an earthquake that came. Now understand, they weren't praying for an earthquake to come. They were praying to be content in their situation. The church was praying for them to be released. Oh my gosh. This then, then, then lends to us the importance of intercessory prayer. Because while individuals might be praying for God to sustain them while they're in it. It's our responsibility to pray for God to bring them out of it. You pray for peace in it. We pray for victory out of it. Oh my gosh. All right, I got to get I got to get going. Anyway, I was telling you about the work that happens while Jesus was healing as he was going throughout the Decapolis. Let's go back to his first miracle. Jesus now is ready to begin his ministry at 30 years old after us not hearing a word for him from him for years. He walks into a wedding, his mother's there. She says, Jesus, they've ran out of wine. Watch the work. Jesus tells them, listen, mom, it is not my time yet. She says, no, baby, listen, come on, baby Jesus. It is your time. You Emmanuel, you are God with us. It is your time uh, to start working miracles. Jesus says, all right, fill the water pots. I'm, I'm done. I'm finished teaching right there. He tells them, fill the pots with water. That's work because understand, Mary could believe that Jesus was able, and that's one thing. But if there is no water, there is nothing to turn into wine. It's work. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says, and she pressed behind Jesus and she did what? Touched the hem of his garment. She was bleeding, the Bible says, for 12 long years. Consequently, bleeding is a, or blood is a sign of life. But rather, she was hemorrhaging blood, which means we can, uh, through deductive reasoning, say that she was literally bleeding her life away. But her work while she was waiting for this man she called Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus passed her by. But yet she pressed behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. All right. So there's a man, the Bible says, who was blind from birth. The disciples are around asking Jesus, well, why is the man blind? Who sinned? Did he sin? Did his father sin? Did his mother sin? Did his uncle sin? Did his aunt sin? Who sinned? Jesus says, this has nothing to do with that. It's because so that God can get the glory. Jesus then hawks a loogie of spit, spits in, in the dirt, makes uh, mud, clay, puts it on his eyes, and then tells him, here's the work while you wait. Sir, go wash while you, while you wait. See, there's always work attached to the wait. There's always work attached to the wait. I got to move on. I, I spent way too much time on that point. But here's another thing I want to give you while you wait. And this I want to give kind of an adverse while you wait. Uh, 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 is that, take this note. Refuse to whine. Oh my gosh. While you wait. <laughs> Refuse to whine while you 
Wait, listen, I, I've been a parent for over 12 years. And when it comes to children, I can deal with a lot. I can handle a lot. Uh, children don't really bother me too much. They only really bother me one time, and that's when they whine. I, Anthony Lamar Scott, cannot stand whining. I'm, I'm that that that's my AA. <laughs> that's my AA confession. Whining gets under my skin. It frustrates me to the point where I, I literally want to walk out and walk around the neighborhood and like just don't even come back till you go to sleep because I can't stand whining. Here is why. We must learn the importance of communication. And while we are irritated by the whining of children, there are many of us that while we're waiting, we're whining. And, and, and the reality is, is that we want to mask our whining as venting. But you got to be careful with venting because venting is a very close first cousin to whining because it's hard to keep the proper perspective while you vent. That, that, and that's the only reason why, because it also matters who you vent to. Because depending on who you vent to, they will let you get away with whining for which God, I believe, is not a fan of. Because to whine about your predicament is to be disgruntled about where God wants you to be in the first place. Think about Job. If anybody ever had a reason to whine, it's Job. But yet Job said, I will not curse God and die. But yet I will continue to believe. The, the devil, through the permission of God, stripped everything from Job. Stripped everything from Job. And yet he said, all the days of my appointed time, I will what? Wait until my change come. Why? It's because he knew, he said it in Job, that a man that is born of a woman is of a few days. And those days are full of trouble. So listen to me, friends. If you already know, that your life is going to be full of trouble. Why whine? Turn your whining into appreciation of the fact that whatever you're going through, you're not going to like this, it could be much worse. Yes, it could be much worse. And so I, I'm still going to thank God in the midst of what I'm in because I understand that it could be much worse than what I'm looking at right now. So again, I have to adjust my perspective of what I'm looking at and force myself almost sometimes not to whine about my pit predicament because I understand that where I am is exactly where God wants me to be. There is no locale in your life that is outside of the vision and the plan of God. Let me say it again. There is no locale in your life that is outside of the vision and the plan of God. Wherever you are, you are there because he desired for you to be there. Why? Because every locale has a lesson. Mm. There is a lesson in every locale that you find yourself in. I got to move on because I can't hold you past 30 minutes. Uh, work while you wait. Don't whine while you wait. Here, here's the last one I'm going to give you and then I'll bid you adieu. 
Look like you're winning <laughs> while you wait. Look like you're, you're winning while you wait. In other words, I said it before, I'll say it again. Never give a public face to a private fight. Just because you're going through does not mean you have to look like going through. I used to say before that I've learned to make go through look like come out. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't have to look like what you're going through. In fact, the Bible speaks about this when it talks about fasting, that, that, that you don't have to look as though you're fasting. You don't have to dress as though you're fasting. In fact, I subscribe to the reality, and I said this on Facebook Live the other week, the other week that I subscribed to that I, I literally will save my best outfits for my worst moments. <laughs> yeah. Wear your best outfits in your worst moments because those are the moments that you need to be uplifted and ignited even when you are feeling low. All right, so 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 we must make sure that we are looking like we're winning while we're waiting. Do not carry the disposition of losing just because your life feels like you're losing. Because here here's the reality. If you look like you're losing, everyone around you will treat you as though you are losing. So you cannot look as though you have lost already. Because then everybody will treat you as though you are a loser. When in fact, you are a winner who is in the weight. Oh my God. Please repeat that for me real quick. Say, I am a winner in the weight. Let's do it again. I am a winner in the weight. One more time. I am a winner in the weight. So again, it is important for us, my beloved friends, my brothers and sisters, to understand sometimes that you're just going to have to wait. So what do I do while I wait, PA? Work while you wait. Don't whine while you wait. And look like you're winning while you wait. I hope something has been said today that would encourage you and bless you. I want to ask you again, as I asked you earlier, as I will continue to ask you to please make sure that you... Subscribe, like, share, anything you can so that the Word for Life podcast can be discovered in the massive, massive database that is podcast. Every day, podcast is growing. And as podcast grows, so does the Word for Life podcast. We need to grow with it and we can't let it leave us behind. So again, I want to ask you, my dear friends, please subscribe to the channel. Please like as we continue to bring you content that we believe that would encourage you, inspire you, and motivate you, and that would be a blessing for your life. Again, friends, I love you with the love of the Lord. I am praying for you, and I need you to know that no matter what your life looks like, God has the final say. Even in the darkest moments, you have to believe that God is working and preparing the light to bring you out of your darkness. Be well, friends.